So there's a practice within mystical Judaism, and it's called gamatria. Now, gamatria, actually, you can also find this practice within the Greek mystery religions as well. So it's well known throughout the ancient world. And this, of course, is the world that John is writing his gospel in. John's writing from Ephesus, but he's writing with a Jewish mindset. So gamatria is a way of exploring Hebrew words or phrases by looking at their numerical value. Now, that may sound very strange to us in the English-speaking West, but not to the ancient mind. So each letter of the Hebrew alphabet serves not only as a letter for sounds and a word, it's also, though, a number. And then, if you could get any more dynamic than this, it's symbolic. It represents something symbolically. Now, make sure you download a sheet of the Hebrew alphabet and the numbers and the symbols. It'll be at our website, figtreeteaching.com. You can check below in the show notes. You'll find a link, and that'll take you directly to the page where you can download that PDF. It'll really help you to have that sitting in front of you and to see how dynamic the alphabet is in Hebrew. Okay, now, by the way, uh, my source for this, you can check out Richard Bauckham. He has an article called The 153 Fish and the Unity of the Fourth Gospel. That's John's Gospel. Now, this is a really important article because he's outlining the use of numbers by John. Now, he notes in that paper that Rabbi Asher Finkel, he is a professor at Seton Hall University, he had pointed this out to him, what we're going to talk about today. And it takes a rabbi, honestly, who knows Hebrew, obviously by memory, and gematria, to notice something like this. I mean, us Westerners, you know, we read our English Bible, we don't even stop to think, what might the numerical value be of the underlying Hebrew word? That doesn't even cross our mind. But for the mystics, now that includes the Gospel of John. And by the way, we have a brand new series. It's going to be starting January of 2024. And this is going to be exploring John as a mystical text because John is a mystical text, if you don't understand what makes him a mystical text, then it may sound too far out, but it's really not. It actually will, looking through that lens will actually help you read John better. Okay, but the mystics, they saw the Hebrew alphabet as not only divinely inspired, but literally part of the eternal structure of God's creation, God's cosmos. And since Letters, Hebrew letters, also have a numerical value. Then what they said was look, if you have two words or a word in a phrase, as we'll see today, that are different, but they have the same numerical value, then on some deep and mystical level, they must be connected. Maybe we can't see it right now, but since God created the alphabet, God created the cosmos, and it's this eternal structure of the cosmos. Somewhere down there, in a mystical level, they must be connected. Now, of course, this is way beyond how we in the West, particularly English-speaking West, look at our alphabet. It's much more dynamic than our modern conceptions. But 
It can be a profound way of discovering significant insight and meaning of a particular word. And the rabbis do this. Sometimes reading rabbinic writings is confusing in English because what they're doing is they're connecting Hebrew words by their numerical value, but they might not tell you that. But when you see these deep connections, you realize, ah, something is there. So what we're going to do today is I want to show you an example of this from John's gospel. Now, John is a mystic, and as a mystic, he's going to take his audience on a mystical journey. He's going to take you deeper into the nature of God's creation and that what it means that Jesus is the Christ, right? He's going to take us on a journey to see that. And in, in mystical writing, heavy reliance on symbols to communicate this message because symbols, much more than, say, abstract words or definitions, symbols have a way of capturing meaning and bringing it to the soul that regular words and phrases and sentences simply cannot. And we're trying here to communicate divine truths. And the divine truths are often, we, we're so limited in our being that we can't see them without some symbol. Now, within this use of symbols, you have numbers. And so the numbers then are going to help you see something beyond the veil to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on. Now, a very simple example of this. Let me just give you a simple example. John's gospel is structured around seven signs. Now, just about everybody understands that when you see the number seven, it can have just the regular numerical value of seven, but it also has a symbolic meaning of perfection. And so, obviously, you find this in the creation story, Genesis 1, God creating the world in seven days. And this is exactly what John is doing. He begins his gospel with, in the beginning was the word, a direct reference to Genesis. And he's going to have seven signs. And what he's going to be saying to us, leading us through this, is that in Jesus, with Jesus, death and resurrection, a new creation is dawning. And of course, creation is a common theme among the mystics. But if you think about this, from the book of John, we even get our phrase about being born again, right? In Jesus, our soul becomes a new creation. We are born again. And many people experience that phenomenon. But you see the number seven means more than just the numerical value, okay? So the, the example I want to show you today, it's a use of numbers, but it's also then gamatria. We're matching a word or a phrase based on the numerical value. And that, that's going to lead us into something deeper and communicate something profound about God's cosmos. All right? And today's example, it has to do with the name Jesus in Hebrew and the phrase Lamb of God. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to start with the name. Now, we have English, we have Greek, which John has written in, but we're going to go back to the Hebrew name of Jesus because that's what he's speaking and that's what John the Baptist is speaking and that's what John would have known as he was a disciple of Jesus. So 
you know, in English, Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. But to us, it's his name. It's just his name. There's no actual meaning of that word, not like there is in Hebrew, and there definitely isn't a numerical value. So we tend to use it as the identifier for Jesus, of course, but that's it, okay? And so you have our English word, Jesus, the Greek word, Jesus, and then that takes us back to the Hebrew word, Yehoshua. Now, Yeshua is the shortened variant of Yehoshua, but I'm going to go to, we're going to use Yehoshua, the extended version of his name. Both of them have a meaning that are beyond the identity of an individual, right? Hebrew names also have meaning to them. And the meaning of Yehoshua is God's salvation. So you have two words, Yasha to save, and Yah, that's the shortened name of God. Some people say Yahweh. So it means literally God's salvation. So Jesus' name has the same meaning as his function. He's there for the salvation of the world, and his name means God's salvation. So even knowing his name takes you a little bit deeper. So here's what we need to do. You take his name in Hebrew, spelled here, and then we're going to line up the letters and look at their numerical value. Now, if you download the handout that we have of the Hebrew alphabet, you'll be able to follow along on this. So it's spelled Yud, He, Vav, Shin, Ein. Now that's Yehoshua. So you have a Yud equals 10. The He equals 5. The Vav equals 6. The Shin equals 300. And the Ein equals 70. And so if we add all of those up, you get the value of 391. Okay, now we're going to do the Hebrew phrase, Lamb of God. So it's say Elohim. Say is Lamb, Elohim, God. So sin, hey, this is how you spell Lamb. The sin, that's a 300, and the hey is a 5. Then you have the name of God, Aleph, Lamed, He, Yud, and Mame. So the Aleph is 1, Lamed is 30, He is 5, Yud is 10, and the Mame is 40. Now what do these add up to? 391, the same exact value. So, according to the mystical rules of Gematria, the name of Jesus, Yehoshua, that's the extended name, is connected to the phrase Lamb of God. In which, if you just think about that for any two seconds, if the name Yehoshua means God's salvation, and then if we go to the ultimate picture of salvation, which is the Passover, that involves a lamb, then of course they would be connected. So we go to the Gospel of John, and what do we find at the beginning of the Gospel of John? How does it begin? Jesus is approaching John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist, you know, obviously knows Hebrew, and he knows Gematria. 
He knows how to do the math. And instead of saying Jesus' name, he says, Look, behold. Some of your Bibles say, Behold, look, the Lamb of God. And so he's playing with Jesus' name to point out who he is. Now, you have to realize something here. The Greek word for look, well, it means to see or to perceive, but it's often used with a metaphorical meaning. To see with the mind, not just seeing with your physical eyes, but to perceive with an inward spiritual perception. Not, hey, look over there with your physical eyes, but do you perceive spiritually? that Jesus is the Lamb of God. So he's going deeper. John the Baptist is taking his audience deeper by connecting the name of Yehoshua with Lamb of God. But this is also exactly what Jesus is, right? He's God's Passover Lamb. On that Passover holiday, somewhere around 30 AD, God offered up his Passover Lamb, sacrificed, so that all of humanity can be delivered from bondage, just like the Exodus. Now, if we step back, though, and we take a look at the whole book of John, we'd say, oh, look over here. The gospel begins with this announcement from John the Baptist and the connection that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And then we look at the end, and the gospel ends with, a, with an allusion to Exodus 12, the Passover story. Jesus is on the cross, and the soldiers do not break his legs. And then John includes this comment about it. He says, these things occurred so that scripture might be fulfilled. None of his bones shall be broken. Now, where is that coming from? It's taken directly from Exodus. It's Exodus 12, which is the Passover story, verse 46. And you shall not break any of its bones. So do we have spiritual eyes to see what John is doing? So just like that Passover lamb serves to free the Israelites from the bondage of slavery in Egypt, so now Jesus, the Lamb of God, on the very same holiday, the Passover, serves to liberate your soul from the bondage of sin. Do we have eyes to see? Can we perceive that Jesus is the Lamb of God? Not our physical eyes, but our spiritual eyes. Now, one question that Westerners often have is, why obscure this? Why, why put it below the surface? Why not just state it plainly? And one of the reasons, and this is really brilliant when it comes to communication, of course, Jesus communicates like this. We're talking about divine truths. Truths about God, truths about the nature of reality like Jesus is serving a cosmic purpose as the Lamb of God, right? And divine truths, which are often so difficult for human beings to pick up on, they're best communicated through symbol, and they're best communicated from the oblique, not straightforward. Because what it causes the audience to do is then you have to engage the symbolism. And you allow God and the process of revelation to reveal that which is hidden. Now, God's not hiding this because he doesn't want you to know it. What God wants you to do is go through the internal process of discovery 
because it's through that process that you gain the internal, the deepest understanding of God and Jesus and the kingdom of God. This is not just um, propositional knowing. It's experiential knowing because you discover it within. And this is why Jesus speaks in parable, because he's leading people down a path of discovery. And this is when, when you discover the truths that, that Jesus is communicating and that we find in a gospel like the Gospel of John, this is when there are profound truths about God's reality, and it's when you discover them that they impact us the most. And really, the deeper and the more obscure they are, the greater impact they have in opening our spiritual eyes. So the name Jesus, God's salvation, has the same numerical value as the Lamb of God, which allows them at a very deep level to be connected by God himself. And this is the profound use of gematria and how we can discover deep and what seems hidden meaning that's actually built into the eternal structure of God's cosmos, God's creation. If only, God, we had eyes to see the brilliance of this book we have.